But it also led me down to this like deep rabbit hole of like, I don't really know what I look like. And I would look back at photos and I remember taking those photos and being like, oh my God, I feel so fat. I look so fat. Like this is, I look disgusting. And now looking back, I'm like, whoa, I looked completely normal. You know, I looked great. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are going all the way over to Hong Kong to have a conversation with 23-year-old Yuyu Kitamura. Yuyu's story is spectacular. When I first stumbled across Yuyu and when I was first introduced to Yuyu, I was under the impression that she was an actress and a filmmaker. And yes, she is both of those, but even more so the story that she has and the struggles that she's been through, the, the different obstacles that she's had to overcome is spectacular. And to be able to sit down with Yuyu and have this conversation was incredible and to know that struggle creates strength is reaching that international level and the international platform and traveling around the globe is it leaves me speechless and you you i am so happy that you were the first one that i got to film with internationally so thank you for that and to everyone you are going to love this episode. Yu Yu is an amazing person with an amazing story. And now enough of me rambling on. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for actually making or taking the time out of your day to come speak on the podcast, to share your story all the way from Hong Kong, which is incredible. <laughs> it's so crazy to me, even just to think that like this is where like struggle create strength is reached which is really neat and it's really cool and obviously we got to connect through somebody that's also a very unique like a very nice and neat person and somebody that's doing amazing things in this world as well so yeah but just having this opportunity is amazing so thank you for coming on no of course I mean you're now international that's such a cool thing to say about your podcast yeah, um, so congratulations on that end and yeah Danny who introduced us she is awesome mm -hmm. um, I hope you do get a chance to like speak with her because I think she is she has a great story and her background is amazing mm -hmm. um, but yeah like today like I, how, how do you want to roll like what you know I personally I think you just sharing your story in its length. I know, and especially because when we sat down and we were talking mm -hmm. and I kind of just gave you that opportunity, obviously, just to share your story with me, because I didn't know your story. And when you shared it with me, I was obviously amazed. And I was, was like, how, like it always, it honestly, it always amazes me to hear people's stories because I think we always like, we always fabricate this image of somebody before we even talk to them, before we know their story, before we meet them even. And that's kind of what I did. Like when I was told that you were like, that you're an actress and a, and literally a filmmaker, I was, I was like, Oh, well, I wonder like what she's going to talk about. I didn't even know that you were going to talk about any form of mental health struggle. I thought it was going to be more so about like 
the whole kind of like the show biz, if you will. And, <laughs> and so to have you actually like, that's basically, again, where I swallow my own words is because I'm like, you can never assume somebody's story and you can never make up what somebody's going to be like until you obviously talk to them and get to know them. And I think that's why you just sharing your story for, for what it is. And we, if we just kind of roll with it, I think, I think that's how it'll be best. And I'll jump in if there's ever any times, but for the most part, (laughs) please don't hesitate to ask. I would love have, I would rather much us have a conversation than me just giving like a monologue about my life story. Um, (laughs) But yeah, my name is Yuyu. I am, I would say that I am an actor, um, a poet, now a filmmaker, which is really cool to say. Um, but I'm also um, a sister. I'm Japanese. Um, I, I would say that there are now a lot of identities that I can um, proudly say I am. Mm-hmm. But my mental health journey, it's wild to say this because I'm only 23. And I always like question how serious I take myself, even though there's like so much more to live in life. Um, But my mental health journey with like depression, with struggles with my body image, um, anxiety, like I've gone through so many seasons of it. Mm -hmm. And to think that it's really like a lifelong process of learning to love yourself is both terrifying and also exciting, because that just means that if I've already accomplished this much going through the things that I have, I can only hope for who I will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think also like firstly, just at the top, you know, I don't think of myself as an expert at all. And this is all just sort of like my personal take on my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I'm sure everyone else's looks so different. Um, But I think that's also to say that like mental health lives on such a wide spectrum that it's incredible to see the differences, but also the similarities across the world of how people deal with mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, like your podcast, the fact that it has now an international audience is a great thing for you. And I really am so happy for you to share that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in the same vein, like I think about Um, how much I've accomplished in spite of like how dark sometimes things have been for me but Mm -hmm. for me how I've really coped and found sort of the strength that I have now is really partly through the fact that I enjoy doing what I do Um, I find pure joy in acting and in being creative and I think that's really served as a vessel for me to find safety in times of like my mental health struggles. Um, And, you know, when I look back at my childhood, this is so absurd to say, I'm like 23. (laughs) I'm like my childhood, like, Um, your childhood. Yeah, it was like not that far ago, calm down. (laughs) But when I look back at my childhood, um, I don't remember much. And I have so many gaps in my childhood. like I have two memories from when I was an actual kid. And I think a lot of it is partly because it's somewhat repressed. Um, but from what my parents have told me, um, they've said that when I was a kid, I was very bright, 
very confident. I loved talking to adults and I loved from a very young age, like make believe. I was always role playing and living in some other fantasy and running around, um, which is something that I think every child should do in this day and age, especially is go outside and play outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhere along the lines, and I would start to say from, I think when I was in like primary school, I was very conscious of the way that I looked. Um, And I think that this is because my family, we were very athletic. My brother was, my older brother um, was like a soccer superstar. He was amazing at what he did. All eyes were on him. Like our schedule always revolved around him and his trainings and his matches. And so for a lot of my childhood, my identity sort of lived in like the little sister role, right? Like, um, and so I was often finding myself alone and playing with, you know, make-believe and playing role-play stuff and like running around while he was training. But also from a young age, I didn't look like him. Like his metabolism is insane. And I was sort of like the chubbier kid, which is fine. Like you're a kid, you're meant to be soft and huggable. Um, but from a young age, I was very aware of the fact that like, I was not quote unquote, like skinny or quote, like, and this is wild to even think when you are a child to have these thoughts, Mm -hmm. but I remember from a young age, I didn't like the way that I looked Mm -hmm. and being the athletic family that, you know, I grew up in my mom, um, wanted me to take up a sport. So I was swimming and from, I think the ages of like seven to about 15, it was intense trainings four times a week for like close to three hours. So I started developing like a muscular body, um, which is not something that I think every girl sort of sees the ideal image of what a young girl should look like, which is also just like messed up to know how, you know, distorted what we're actually looking at in media is and like how that transcends into your mind and what that does to you. Um, But from a young age, I didn't like the way that I looked. And it was also sort of in this period of like becoming a young woman that it really started to weigh heavily on me. And um, I have like very athletic legs, which I am now learning to love because these are the legs that will take me places in life. (laughs) Um, But like it got to the point where like I truly hated myself um and I resented my parents I resented which is like so absurd right like they have nothing to do with like my body um but I resented them I resented the way that I looked I was so so like I would look at myself in the mirror for hours and just nitpick away um And so a lot of this sort of snowballed, I think, at the age of 14, where there was a lot of things going on in my home life that were pretty um, chaotic, maybe. Um, I don't know if that's a great word. Um, Disruptive. There we go. Um, And it sort of led me down this path of like, I was binging and purging. And I was also intensely picking at my skin and this was because the chlorine was affecting my skin and it was making it very dry 
So it was affecting my skin to the point that my fingers didn't have fingerprints because my skin was so heavily cracked. And so I would peel them just to like try and get them to feel smooth, which then would just become this like disgusting process of me like nitpicking until the point that my hands and feet were bleeding. And it was really aggressive. Um, And I think that was also like another way of me trying to control everything, like the things that were happening at home and the way that I was feeling internally. Um, And it was this point of like 14 to 17 that everything that was sort of like marinating inside my body and my my head um, became pretty dark. And I was telling myself a lot of unkind things that I would never tell to a person. You know, they always say like, tell yourself things that you think you could tell your friends. (laughs) I would never tell or call my things, my friends, any of those things, but I was doing that to myself. And because I was binging and purging, I had lost some of like the baby fat that I had. Um, But it also led me down to this like deep rabbit hole. Like, I don't really know what I look like. And I would look back at photos and I remember taking those photos and being like, oh my God, I feel so fat. I look so fat. Like this is, I look disgusting. And now looking back, I'm like, whoa, I looked completely normal. You know, I looked great. But I think that's what is so terrifying about being young and naive and like having a malleable brain and really like looking up to what we see in media which is like a whole nother conversation I I can get to in a bit about why sort of why I want to do what I also want to do in life um but it was this crazy time in my teenage year where I was also like going out and drinking and acting out but I always knew that like, that wasn't ever my intention. Like I, I was terrified of blacking out. I thought that was the worst thing. Like I did not want to be vomiting in front of my friends. Um, and so I was very much always like the, uh, the, the mother of the friend group. Right. So if anyone was throwing up, I was like, I'll take you home. Like, let's go home. (laughs) Um, but I was acting out and I was looking for a form of like escapism. And I was looking for a form of just being young and reckless and I think it was also this culture growing up in Hong Kong where it's very safe to do that I think unlike the U.S. like in Hong Kong you do start going out at a very young age um, which is it a good thing or a bad thing I don't know because by the time I got to college I was like pretty tired (laughs) all the time (laughs) and I wasn't necessarily being um, crazy Um, but it was this constant turmoil of not knowing who I was both inside and outside. Like I didn't know what I looked like. I didn't know who I was supposed to be. And like, I was having cultural identity issues because I am Japanese, but I grew up in Hong Kong and I've never felt close to Japan. And I was very much Western. I was brought up with a very Western mindset. And so that was creating a lot of pain in terms of like, your first steps into like figuring out who you are. I didn't know who I was. And I also think that that is very normal for teenagers. Um, But it's so easy to feel alone and isolated. 
and feel like you can't talk to anyone. Um, and I like, I don't know how you felt like growing up in like in, you know, in Canada, like whether it was more open to talk about mental health, but no. in Asia, it wasn't. Yeah, no, ours was, is basically the exact same. And technically like, it's why I wanted to do this sort of thing, right? Is because mm-hmm. these, these topics, they're becoming a lot more normalized, but at the same time, I think even just amongst like my own friends, it's not very normalized. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can see when somebody's struggling, like it's, it's pretty evident to mm-hmm. me because I've been there, I've gone through it. But the second that you ask somebody how, like, how are you doing? It's always the same complacent answer, which is, Oh, I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing great. I'm yeah. Everything's fine. And it's like, it's not, and it's so yeah. obvious, but it, yeah, no, all the topics, like the, they just, especially before, I think now it's getting better because there's a lot more people that are speaking up. There are a lot more people that are being vulnerable with these conversations, but back then, especially like nothing, it was just, mm-hmm. just struggle in silence, basically. Mm-hmm. That's how and you was. bring up, yeah, you bring up a great point that it's like, even coming onto this podcast, like we had that conversation before where it was so easy to talk about it because it wasn't recording. Mm-hmm. And now that we are like, I'm going to be honest, like when I first declined, like I pushed back your offer, like last week, right. We were supposed to record last week. Mm-hmm. A part of it was the fact that like, yes, I was super busy at the moment, but I also had enough time to prep and it's what fear does and what the idea of like, what does it really mean to normalize this sort of conversation? Why can we not do this? Why, why do I have to feel so terrified of talking about it in the context of us recording a podcast? Like if I am really trying to normalize it and have this open dialogue, I should just talk about it. But I think what fear does is it is so paralyzing and the things that you end up telling yourself just to push back and like procrastinate, even if you will, like, it's fascinating to me. Like right before this call, I was cleaning the most I've ever cleaned in a while. I was like, I don't like cleaning, but like I should do something else. (laughs) Um, And I think that like you're saying, like having these sort of conversations is the very step to how we, like people who aren't professionally licensed to do so, like how can we normalize or destigmatize mental health? It's by having an open communication and like talking about it. So, which is something that I think Hong Kong is really struggling to do so. I think in a lot of aspects, like they tend to follow what like the US or the UK are doing in terms of like body positivity, like representation in media, like mental health. But if you look down at like what's actually happening here, it's really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was having a conversation with this guy named Aaron who has an an organization in Hong Kong called Talking Mental. And he was sharing with me like what he's learned about the mental health culture in Hong Kong. And like the mere fact that um, therapists in Hong Kong only have offices in the very nice neighborhoods and charge expensive rates, you really do like, that's a clear answer as to why like mental health is declining in Hong Kong it's only for people who can afford it Mm -hmm. um and so I really wonder like what kind of 
kids can grow up in this, like, especially in this current climate where it's hard enough with like the usual stakes of being young and trying to figure yourself out like I was, but on top of that, like you have COVID and in Hong Kong, like there were a lot of social political movements happening that was really like hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I wondered, especially looking back and like sort of thinking about this call, like who I could have been if I had the tools and the vocabulary to really talk about what I was going through as a teenager. Um, And even the fact of like, I don't know anyone in Hong Kong in my community that go to therapy. I know two people, but that's because we're like very extremely close, but they are also like on the wealthier spectrum of like the people I know. Um, And I think in the States, like it was a clear shift when I went to school in New York and like really separated from my family, what I could be doing for myself to better myself. And um, when I was at NYU, like I decided to go to therapy for the first time. And it was great because my parents didn't have to know about it. It was on my student like health insurance, like mind you, it was still hard to get appointments and everything, but like knowing that I had that as a resource was extremely important for me to start understanding sort of the wounds that I was feeling and what that was doing to me and like how I could better myself. But it, it took me like the literal process of like leaving my family and moving to the other side of the world where, you know, it's so interesting that you're saying that like, it's still, it still wasn't normalized back then, but like, it was so much more of an open dialogue about like people being like, yeah, I'm on this medication. Like, yeah, I see a therapist. Like I didn't know anybody in high school that could say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in a sense, it's so interesting to see sort of like how different countries are really moving in terms of like the pace and like the steps to destigmatize and help people who are suffering from mental health. Um, So I think that was sort of a very pivotal moment for me of like having the courage and the bravery to talk to someone about what I was going through. Um, And they gave me some great initial tools, but that was the first time that I consciously clocked in the feelings that I was having and what those triggers were for me and um, how I could sort of safely take steps to change the way that I was thinking or do something else that was, that could bring me joy and really like give myself very easy, but also helpful things. And one of that, one of those tools was just acknowledging the feeling, being very present and not trying to suppress it. And it it can be as simple as that, but that in itself is so powerful because then you're not trying to, you know, suppress those thoughts that can later like burst out in a different way that can be just as harmful as it would be if you just acknowledge the feelings that you were going through. Um, but being in New York and getting to study at my dream school, I think was, um, I would like to say it was like, it was like putting a Band-Aid over a wound, a gaping, gashing, bleeding wound. Like I was distracted by how this new environment 
was and like all the new things I was learning and the new friends that I was making. But like I said, like I couldn't go to therapy every week. It was maybe like once every two months. Like that's not a great, you know, that's not a great timeline to going to therapy. Like you should try and keep it as like consistent, especially at the beginning. Um, but after I got like the initial, I think I was there, I was going to like seek therapy for about a year at school. And then I was like, okay, I feel like I'm fine. I feel like I got things under control. My many years of trauma, like, yeah, a year of like three, four sessions and I'm good. I'm brand new. Um, And it truly wasn't until I was a junior. So like three years later that I had another moment in my life where depression really hit hard. So like between that time and my junior year, three years, like I think people who do have like mental health, um, who struggle with mental health often know that it comes in waves. So some waves are worse than others and some are manageable, but you sort of know that under the underlying feeling is always there and it might always be there for the rest of your life. So it's just about like how you can really um, use those tools that you, that you find are helpful to you and like um, work to being the best version of yourself. But it wasn't until junior year that I felt a different type of depression when I did when I was a teenager. Um, And I would say that it was like, looking back, it felt like I was truly just in like this dark, dark cloud of gray that never seemed to end. Um, And so it sort of stemmed from this relationship that I was in And the person that I was with at that time, um, we decided to do a long distance relationship as I was studying abroad. And I had found out that he was cheating on me, which brought back all these like traumas that I had in my childhood that sort of came to light all of a sudden. And while that was all happening, I was just being gaslighted the entire time as to why our relationship was failing. And it was because of my depression. And like, looking back, I can realize how awful what he was saying to me was, but in the moment I was like, oh my God, he's right. Like, this is all my fault. Of course you would cheat on me. Like, I don't know who I am. I have no self-confidence. I have no sense of self. Like, of course I'm the reason that the relationship is failing, but that wasn't the case. Like he just needed an excuse and whatever, whatever. Um, But it made me realize that like, I knew that I was depressed, right? Because of those feelings that like I had felt in the past. I knew what this was, but this time I didn't even want to help myself. I, I couldn't even comprehend how to ask for help. I couldn't even think of going to, like, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. I, I was just like one long day, one long day that never seemed to end. Um, and it's so wild to think that while it was all happening, what was happening to my body and like how unaware I was of it. I think like, as if you grow up as an athlete, like you're often aware of like how you're feeling in terms of like how you and your body are pretty connected. Like I couldn't tell you what I was eating. I couldn't tell you what time of day it was. All I could do is sort of like sit there and know that what I was feeling wasn't okay, but I didn't even 
have the capacity to like comprehend and everything felt like I was just going through the motions and because I was abroad with people that I didn't know very well and they didn't know me very well it was so easy to like pretend like everything was okay and it all looking back now feels like a blur like it feels like a blip in time like that was not a long you know moment where my mental health was really like struggling but in the moment, it felt like years. I wanted to know when it would end. Mm-hmm. And I often had feelings of wanting to end my life. And I knew that it wasn't because I, I, I didn't want to die. Like it wasn't necessarily that like I wanted to kill myself, but it was more of like, I didn't want to be here anymore. And I held on to that feeling so tightly. And I also think that I couldn't ask for help because of just the way that I was raised culturally, like in Asian culture, like you're often brought up with the mentality that you shouldn't burden others that um, mental health even doesn't exist in some places, right? Like they're just like, yeah, you work through it. Like you get through the hard times. Like that's what it is. It's not a something terrible is happening to your mind and your body. And like, you need help. It's not even like that. Um, So I was truly just like suffering alone. And at the end, when I was able to like finish my semester abroad and I went back to like my best friends, a lot of them were like, what happened to you? Like, you're not yourself. And I couldn't even comprehend or like begin to explain or share with them because I thought that they would judge me. I thought that they would I felt this like immense sense of like guilt and shame around what I was going through. Um, And it was that point that I started experiencing like panic attacks. Like people would be like, they obviously at this point, my relationship ended and um, they were like, oh, let's like go out, like get your mind out of it. Like we'll go have fun. And that would just make me like plummet even further into like anxiety and panic attacks at parties and like literally Irish exiting everything. I would just like leave. I'd be like, okay, I'm going home. Um, And I think now I can almost smile at all of those instances, but in the moment, I never knew if I would be happy again, which is what I think a lot of what depression feels like right in the moment it's all that you can think of of like how tired you are how alone you feel how dark it can be um but when people do and like hearing people say like it'll get better like it it it, it almost feels so patronizing because it feels like they don't understand um but that's where I go back to the whole idea of like regardless of culture like depression exists along a spectrum and there are many parts of depression that are so relatable and it's that feeling of like in the moment you feel like you are alone and no one will ever understand but in fact there are millions of people who do understand um and in all of this I look back on both instances And I now smile because it brings me happiness thinking that the person I am today is because of what I went through 
And the reasons why I find so much joy and gravitate towards creative things is because for me, acting and why I love it so much is a form of escapism. I love the idea that I can live through something else as hard as what I'm going through is if I really think about this character and what they're going through I can sort of forget about myself for a moment and I think that to me is a huge part of like why I love doing what I do it's storytelling um and even like looking back at my childhood those moments like whenever I was deeply depressed like I was constantly watching things and it was bringing me out of this dark cloud that I was living in And that is so powerful to know that that is what theater, that is what movies and TVs and music and art does to people. It is so moving to know that like, if anything, like it can be as silly as like watching reality TV, but for that moment, it brings someone comfort. And I think that is really beautiful. Um, And over time, when I was abroad I started writing more and I started writing poetry but like many people of our generation I was doing it on my phone and I was writing in my notes apps and I think it's also so interesting to know or to think what other people have in their notes apps because I feel like it's like everyone's own diary and its own self Um, but I was writing all these thoughts that I I never even had the courage to say out loud but it was a safe place for me to put down my thoughts. Um, And it was this internship that I had in the summer after I had come back from abroad and gone back to school like that year after I had this amazing internship with this woman who I now consider my mentor, but she has this like pet project she does with every intern class where Um, while you're there, you sort of have to create something like you can either start a podcast. Some people have gone on to make websites. um, And she had said that she had made a book once. And that just intrigued me. I was like, that's so cool. Like people can just like make books. Um, And it's a much easier process. You can be self-published via Amazon. Um, But I'd expressed interest and she was like, oh, do you have anything that you can make into a book? And I was like, yeah, like I have these like silly little poems that I have on my phone. And she was like, great, let's make that into a book. And I was absolutely mortified. I was like, no one's ever reading these. Like, this is my diary lady, back off. Um, And she was like, oh, I don't have to read it. Like we can do the entire process until you press submit. And if you really feel like you don't want the world to see this, then you don't have to press submit, but it's a learning, like learning project, right? Um, And so I was like, okay, like, sure. And I started like building this book together. And when I was putting my poems onto the page and I was rereading them, it was very surreal to me that this is what I had been going through but I needed sort of like the distance and after I write things I don't ever read them I'm very bad at editing um never get me to proofread anything but when I was rereading my words I was shocked at how dark some of it was like in the moment I couldn't even fathom like what I was writing and it was just coming out 
And it took me a moment to sort of like step back and really see how dark some of my thoughts were at some point. Um, and I did the whole process. And at the end of it, when we got to the final step, she was like, well, you don't have to press submit. Like, I know that, you know, doing this is bringing you like, oh, you're uncomfortable. You're clearly uncomfortable. Like you don't have to do it. But by that point I'd put in all the hard work that I was like, heck, like I'll let it go live. And if anybody buys the book, they buy the book. But if not, like they don't, right? Like I'm not losing anything. There are so many books on Amazon. <laughs> like the fact that someone will buy my book is probably soon to none. So I did it. And then a week later, we got the physical copy of the book. And I have never, and there are only so many moments in life that I truly remember, but that moment of holding that, like what I was suffering and what I was going through, and this is what came out of it, like a book that I had put together was so uplifting. And it made me proud of myself, something that I hadn't felt in years. And I think that was the start of me very much validating my own experiences and knowing that sometimes like as hard as it can be like there when you look back and like that is one of the joys of you know going through this mental health journey of like looking back and seeing that you are in so much of a better place and you can look back at how proud you are of yourself like that is something that I think is like I don't even know how to describe that feeling. Like, like I'm literally, I feel like I have like electricity in me right now. Like I'm like, ah. Oh. Um, and so I think that gave me sort of like this high that I had never felt before, which kept me pushing myself to try different creative forms. Um, so I started picking up a bit of film photography here and there. And now I really enjoy that. And I'm still writing and, I'm always acting, um, but all of those creative forms of expression for me are a way that I can safely and organically put my thoughts and my feelings into something, which I think is a great thing for people to do. And it, it's definitely safer and healthier than, healthier than like doing, you know, like binge drinking and like trying to distract yourself in other ways. But for me, like that brings me so much joy. And it can truly be as simple as like curating a playlist. I think everyone loves music, right? I would like to think many people out there do. It can be as simple as curating a playlist that can also bring you joy. But I think that is something that is simple. And I think that is something that people can do. Um, but for me, gravitating towards creatively expressing myself was a way that I was growing both as an artist, which I use the term loosely because I think it's a little obnoxious sometimes, um, but it's a way of me growing as an artist and as a person, but also brings me so much joy that over time when I look back, I don't really remember the person that was struggling so hard that hated herself so much. And this idea of like loving yourself is so much harder than like words you see plastered on like posters and words you see like coming out of like successful people's mouths. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it is this lifelong journey. And it wasn't until last year that I like truly started to commit and believe and work towards loving myself. I think in the past I told myself like, yeah, I love myself. Empty, empty words. Oh my gosh. But there's a difference of loving yourself when you believe that you are worth loving, when you do have, you know, great things to contribute to the world, when you do have a voice, when all of those things about like loving yourself and what that means. Like, I feel like it is only once I started acknowledging that this is something that I, I want to work on is that I, is when I started sort of being a better, being the better version of myself. And I don't really remember the specific struggles that I was going through. I just remember it as like phases of my life. Um, And like, mind you, I say this and then like, I'll have bad days like every other person and like anxieties will always creep in and like, I'll procrastinate and push back the episode of recording. Of course, like things like that happen. Um, but also acknowledging that I'm in a better place right now and acknowledging that I'm working towards things that bring me joy has been one of the greatest, you know, realizations in my mental health journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to ask you, like, what is something that you learned about, like, how you are coping or how you want to better yourself and things like that? Yeah, no, I love that. And I love being asked these questions. I like for myself, I actually had an interesting talk today. I was catching up with an old friend. And so she was, she was asking me, like, how was I doing? And not your typical, like, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. It was an, a, like a very honest, genuine, how are you doing? And for me, I am I'm quite transparent. I like to believe anyways on my, on my mm-hmm. social media. And I'm very honest with how I am doing, how I am feeling, because that's what I'm trying to prove to everyone is that like, it's okay to be honest with yourself and to be honest with everyone else. Like if I'm struggling, I can be honest with everyone. Or if mm-hmm. I'm having the best times in my life, I will be honest with people because I think it's a great way to lift some, like lift somebody else up is through basically spreading your happiness that you have. And I think it's such a great way. But for me, I think the best, like it's been a journey, 100%. And it always is. And it continues to be. But I'm like so thankful and so grateful to say that I have worked so, like so hard on myself especially this past year, like this past year, I've, I don't think I've ever pushed myself so hard and worked so hard, just not like in my past, I was always, when I was thinking about working hard, it was always around business or it was always around sports or it was always around relationships. Like it was Mm -hmm, always, mm -hmm. you have to work so hard for all of these things. And if you want to be successful, you have to work so hard at all these ways to be successful and this year I've kind of taken a, a big step back from that, but it's actually helped those successes because I've focused solely on myself and I've mm-hmm. actually like 
realized what works for me and what doesn't work for me and what works for me may not work for somebody else or what works for somebody else may not work for me. And that was the hardest part was I was always comparing myself to everyone else around me and comparing uh, their happiness, yes. my happiness. Mm-hmm. And I was always in this spot where like, especially within like with the whole relationship thing, I I'm somebody that struggled so hard to move forward and just like live alone and live by myself and live for myself, especially, but I would see friends and they would break up with like their girlfriend or boyfriend. And within two weeks, they were like, totally fine. All good. Doesn't matter. And I was like, how on earth? And then that's when it was, I was just comparing myself so much. Mm -hmm. And then I would take that into everything else in my life. And this year I took a massive step back and just realized like what works for me, what's going to actually continue to push myself, but in very positive ways. And how can I actually begin to love myself and appreciate myself? And a lot of that mm-hmm. came from, like, I've been telling people, I have this little reward system where it's like, I actually appreciate the things that I do for myself. And it all starts with, actually doing things for myself which is well <laughs> yeah there's no like, I couldn't believe that but no it it's like these little things that I just do throughout the day that are just so small but they make the biggest difference in the end and from doing them day after day after day what I've noticed is that I can finally like there's things that would this is how I know that it works and how it worked for me is that there, there'd be these things that would bother me in my past and they would just disrupt my whole entire day, like start to finish the whole day would be ruined. The second I would think of that thing or the second that something would happen. And now it's, it's kind of like, it's so hard to let that ruin my day because the little things that I do and the things that I'm proud of kind of, over they like overcompensate that and now it's mm-hmm. like I don't care <laughs> it doesn't bother me. <laughs> like if it bothers me it only bothers me for like a minute and then it's okay well like yeah that was cool that happened whatever I'm just gonna continue on with my day and continue to work on myself because I still have these other things I have to do throughout the day so if I'm focusing solely on these things that are bothering me I'm never going to accomplish those things or I'm never going to do them to Mm -hmm. the best of my ability or to what I know I can do them at. And like, for me, it honestly has just, it's been, (laughs) it's been such a process and that's like something I can't stress enough, Mm -hmm. but it is a process, right? It's like not a one day, one month fix all. And like, it's so interesting because the two things, what you all just said, right. Brought two things to my mind. One is that I was once having a conversation with someone and I believe we were talking about something, but I was like, oh, did you know that someone once said to me, like comparison is the thief of joy. And then that person hit me back with, oh, did you hear? I know this one where it's like overthinking is the thief of joy. And I was like, both of those things are completely the thief. Like, of course. (laughs) And it's, it's such, I think the one blessing of how hard last year was was truly like the amount of time that I've I I was alone so I was in New York for 
um, half of the year. And I was alone in my apartment the entire time. And then I had to come back to Hong Kong and I was quarantining and I was alone for most of, you know, large pockets of time. And I love being around people. I thought I was always an extrovert. I think I'm actually introverted. And I didn't realize because at first it felt so uncomfortable. And at first it felt really like, like dire that I needed people, but I actually found so much comfort and solace in being alone. And I was like, oh, I don't need relationships to keep me happy. I don't need like someone that I'm like crushing on all the time to be happy. Like I am more than enough. Mm -hmm. And once I started realizing that I started really enjoying being alone. And I'm someone who like, I love love. Like I love love. I love crushes. I love people. Um, but this past year, like you said, like I've also never worked harder on myself and really pushed myself for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's only showing now like the seeds that I'd been planting last year. And now they're finally starting to sprout. And that is bringing me so much joy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's wild because like you're saying, like acknowledging happy things, I think it's, it's obviously so much easier to complain and talk to people about how hard, like something is, it's bothering you or or, like talk about negative things. And it is sometimes to talk about positive things. Like, obviously these are different in terms of like mental health. Like I wouldn't share my mental health. I, I never did share my mental health journey before, but I, it was so easy to complain about whatever was bothering me. But now, like what I've been doing for myself every night is I write down three things that made me happy or three things that I'm proud of that day. And then I end my day feeling really good. And throughout the day, I'm sort of almost searching for things that are bringing, can bring me joy just so I can write it down. And then my day in itself is so much more pleasant than me, like than me doing what you also similarly said is like really focusing on what is negatively affecting you and letting that ruin your day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely like, it is such a journey. And I think it's so interesting because we are so young. Like what, who will we be in our adult life? Like, I feel like just by having those experiences and being able to talk about it, like I would really hope for myself in my uh, like adult life that I am, much more empathetic and open and that people feel like they can talk to me or that they can connect with me even if we aren't the same people or if we didn't grow up in the same place like mental health in itself is so universally human and it's another reason why I'm very proud of you and your accomplishments in doing this thank you it's a great thing it really is um And I think also something that you seem, you seem like a very authentic person and you seem great. And I love that for you, right? Like, I think that that is so important because a lot of what I hear, especially in like the work that I do as an actor and like, just people say it all the time. They're like, fake it till you make it. But I don't necessarily think that that is helpful. And and that was for me, like people would constantly tell me to fake it till I make it. And I'm like, well, that feels really uncomfortable for me because I don't know how to pretend to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not 
work. It's not about like finding a role. It's like, I have to pretend to be someone else when I'm not acting feels very different to like me pretending to be someone else as me. And so something that I've been trying to, you know, work on is like acknowledging that if I don't feel, let me put this, like, I don't know if this is making sense. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Like, instead of like faking it till I make it, someone was like, you should believe it until you are it. And that has been working more for me um, in terms of like trying to be as authentic and as real and as vulnerable as I can be. Um, yeah, I even, I just recently heard, heard a little bit of a quote and it's basically like money or success is basically a byproduct of the value that you are putting forth in this world. And mm-hmm. it's also, it's kind of like, when people see your true self or who you are and the, and basically that message that you're trying to get across and the passion, like I keep coming back to passion, but the passion that you have for something is something that other people want to be a part of, or other people want to jump on board with, or other people want to support because like, I always, I always take a comparison of like two companies. And if there's, a company that has say like two people that or say if you're comparing companies and they're both they have CEOs and they're both the same age whatever it is if there's one that I'm talking to and they're a genuine person super nice very passionate about what they're doing and they're less successful than the other company who is basically just run by somebody who's money hungry money hungry and doesn't necessarily care too much I'm obviously going to want to go with mm-hmm. the other person because I care, like they care, which makes me care. And then I'll jump on board with them. And if it all works out great, but if not, like it, at least it feels better. And mm-hmm. we're, I think just as a, as a whole in this society, we're so caught up around what success means and how success is basically run off of money and how much money do you have in your bank account? That's what defines success, which is so so false in my eyes anyways everyone else can be different but Mm -hmm. in my eyes I would much rather I would much rather make a big difference and have zero money than have a bunch of money and do basically make no impact at all and Mm -hmm. for me that's how I always have tried to really construct this is run with it in the sense of let's try and make the biggest difference and if that means I have to spend money to do it, then I will spend money to do it because that's going to make a difference because I know Mm -hmm. where I once was in my life. I know how lonely and how awful it truly was. And that's something I never want to see happen to anyone else. Or -hmm. at least like if I can help prevent that and at least help one person, then like I've done my job. And I will continue to do it and continue to help people because like I, like I said, I seriously don't want to see somebody in that same state of state of mind that I once was in. And I want to at least allow them to maybe see my story or see somebody else's story, see your story and look at it and be like, Hey, you know what? Like if they can do it, so can I. So then it's, it's like, they are relating and then it gives them hope. And then although like 
you might not receive a message from them. I might not receive a message from them. Like there's so many things that are going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. The domino effect of that is probably insane. Yeah, it is like, it's crazy. And like, there's been people even like there's, I don't necessarily talk about how often I receive messages and how, like what the messages. He's humble. Yeah. Like, no, but I just, I try to keep that stuff kind of within and it's, it's very, like they're very intimate messages when I receive those messages. And, mm-hmm. um, but it is like, it is amazing. And what amazes me is not what this platform has done. It's more so that there's people that are actually like stepping up and wanting to make a difference in the world. And like, for instance, yourself being willing to come on the podcast and share your story, share the struggles that you've encountered that it it goes so much further than you see and then even like what i see like it Mm -hmm. goes so so far and it honestly impacts so many people and for me i think that's that's the most important part for me anyways in this world is the power of vulnerability is incredible right it's Um, it's amazing and I think all of that is so well-deserved because for you, right. And all of your, like you say, you, you don't like to voice them. And I think that's totally fine because if anything, just seeing that you are making an impact, it can be as simple as a message, but a message is also one of the most powerful things that people can send using their voice and sharing that they connected with you and your work and the people that you're bringing on, I think is a wonderful thing to be doing. And you are creating a community in that and there is strength in a community Mm -hmm. and with everything going on right now in the world I think feeling lonely and feeling alone when you know we we're still social distancing like I can only imagine what people are going through mental like mental health wise in the scope of like right now like I have struggles with my body image stuff right and I can see how that is developing in its own way while I was in quarantine Mm -hmm. and my mental health was like spinning out of control sometimes because I was trying so hard to control things when the world in itself was like falling apart Mm -hmm. but if someone and like it was only until I got into quarantine that I started picking up podcasting and like listening to podcasting and like you can also just like hearing these stories and hearing these like podcasts like you can definitely feel that sense of community that's built around it like this is why people listen week to week because they want to escape the same way that like I find joy in like making things and writing like people find joy in listening to stories as well and it might not feel like sometimes it might feel like the impact isn't happening right away but like I said like people are always planting seeds and those seeds will sprout and when they do like that's when reward or that's where transformation can really come out of um and so I love to hear that you know people are listening all over the world and really connecting with you because it just advocates for the fact that like we do need more people openly like and it doesn't have to be celebrities like I think sometimes celebrity culture and like af- like people who are famous and successful almost feel so unattainable. It's like, of course, they're doing so well. They have all this success already. They have all this money to spend on their mental health wellness. Like, how can I, 
who, you know, me, normal me, like connect to someone like that. And like, I think that's why what you're doing is also so great. Like mm-hmm. it's as simple as hearing someone's story. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that exactly where it all stemmed from was, I think even actually even more so, I think seeking professional help as highly as I talk about it, as much as I advocate for it, it is terrifying to take that first Mm -hmm. step. And for me, it was a very long process before I even stepped into that. And so what this platform essentially does and what the stories of like people like yourself, what they do is it kind of acts as a middleman and it allows people to see that it's okay to speak up and to share your story and be vulnerable. And sometimes it also kind of kickstarts that fire and you're like, Hey, you know what, if that person can do it and they have a pretty darn good life and they're doing well for themselves, then I don't have to look down on myself at all. Like I can Mm -hmm. go do this. I can go seek the help that I need. Or like, maybe it's just start by having a conversation with their friend or their family members. And it's like those little, little things can actually stick with somebody in their brain and mm-hmm. change their whole outcome of their life. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I know that what I basically wanted to do and how I have constructed all of this was put, I've put myself back in my shoes in the past and I've sat sat there and I've been like, okay, what would the old Lucas do? And what would he like to see? And what did he need? And that's actually how the whole entire podcast started was because I was stuck in a rut and I didn't know how to get out of that rut. And I was taking these great leaps for myself and actually acknowledging what I felt, what I needed. And I was, it was crazy. Like how, even how you spoke like before and said that you were actually basically you became an introvert rather than an extrovert. And that's exactly what I did as well. I actually started looking inside myself and being like, Hey, you know what, as much as I like having crushes on people, as much as I like going out on dates, I can't be doing that right now because it's not best for me. Mm -hmm. I need to be spending my free time on myself. And that's ultimately what led into me sitting there in this rut going, what do I need to hear? I need to hear somebody who's done it. I need to hear somebody who's come out of this rut and who has a success story, but also started from where I was. Mm-hmm. And I was searching and searching and searching and I couldn't find it. And then I was like, this is what I need. This is what the world needs. I want to share people's stories because I know that it can help people because I know that I'm not the only one that's sitting here right now, wishing that there was somebody else's story that I could listen to that mm-hmm. would motivate me or push me or give me some form of advice on how to get better and how to better my mental health and how to ultimately just find more joy and happiness in my life. I do believe that there's really a space for everyone to succeed in life. I think the world is large and there's a lot of space and there's a lot of different pockets where people can fill with what they want to do with their talent, with their voice. And, you know, coming just from like a media perspective of like 
with the type of things that I want to create one day and the type of things that I am creating currently, it's like similar to you. Like I coming back to Hong Kong wasn't necessarily my choice and I didn't want to really come back home at first. And I was sitting in this rut and I was like, I don't want to be here. Like I want to be in my dream city and like really thrive there. But also it was a blessing in disguise just because of how the U S was handling COVID that like, I was able to safely come back home and in Hong Kong, like the media, the, the filmmaking scene, the acting scene, it's obviously not as big as it is over there. So in a sense, I felt like a very, like a, a fish in like a normal size pond, as opposed to like a tadpole in like the massive ocean over there. Right. Um, and so thinking about this sort of space that I could fill and like the type of work that I wanted to do, it almost felt like it was so much easier to try and experiment here than it probably would be over there at this given time of like the world. And so what I felt like I was lacking or what I didn't really hear much of was about mental health in Hong Kong. Like there was a girl that unfortunately had passed away and she had taken her own life and she was in high school and she was in the international school circuit. And I heard about this from my little brother and it was mind blowing to me that it wasn't on the news. I was like, what, who, why are people not covering something that is so important like this? People need to know because this is a mental health problem we are having in Hong Kong. And even while I was in quarantine, like it is tough. Like Hong Kong has uh, mandates you to be in quarantine for two weeks in a hotel alone. Um, that is terrifying to do. And if you called a hotline, they would send you the ambulance. They would send you like they they don't even have the resources for like people to be speaking with you back and this is back when I was like in quarantine so like this was last year now they have somewhat of like small helps helplines from what I gathered but it's still just like not enough and so I sort of thought about the story that I really wanted to tell which was about this girl who has been very lonely her entire life and it wasn't until the pandemic that she realized that being lonely isn't sufficient it's not helpful and she sort of seeks out human connection and she, you know, finds this girl who is a YouTuber and she has been quarantining and using her quarantine as a vlogging sort of like experience. And she sets up Zooms where she can really connect with her community and it unfolds their friendship. But for me, like the reason why that that story came to mind is because mental health isn't talked about, especially in the space of like young kids in Hong Kong, what's happening right now. Like these are all things that I thought, you know, and I do think that I can put out in the space of like the film landscape here and like even to the rest of the world. Like this is a conversation that I want to have and share my perspective on. And it was also important for me to be collaborating with women. I think that that is such an important thing to uplift one another, especially people in our own communities. And I was really lucky enough to like find friends and like have friends of friends because Hong Kong is so small. Everyone knows everyone um, to like work on this amazing project. And it comes back to the point of what you're saying about passion. Like people will want to help you if you are passionate about something. And it's truly like this collaborative experience that has made my time coming home so fulfilling and something that I thought I would deeply like dislike has become one of the most exciting parts of my life, my 23 year long life. Um, that I'm really 
like happy to be alive to be able to do. And I can only tell myself, you know, my 14 year old self, my 20 year old self, like, this is what life can be. Life is so exciting and it is hard. And there will be moments where it is terrifying and you feel alone. But if you give up now, like you have the rest of your life that you are also giving up where you could be really changing who you are. And if a byproduct of that is that like you help someone in the process, like it will all be worth it. So when people do say like, it gets better, like it really does. And I want people to know that it really does get better. 100%. I think it's, I think what's beautiful is that you earlier in the podcast, you spoke about how when you were in a really tough spot, how you basically said like, you didn't want to necessarily like take your, you didn't want to take your own life, but you also, Mm -hmm. you didn't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And so now to hear you speak about like, and it's not all that long after that. Now you're like, life is beautiful. I have so much more that I want to do. I Mm -hmm. honestly just love life. And that is, to me, that is so beautiful and so heartwarming. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And I don't like, I know that feeling because I speak about that as well. Like I, again, like I am somebody who honestly, not that long ago, like was in the exact same boat. And now I look at it and the thought of dying scares the living out of me because I'm so happy and so fulfilled on a daily basis. And even if I have my bad days, my anxiety filled days, I'm still so grateful and so happy to have the life that I have, which is Mm -hmm. such an incredible feeling. And I, but I just wanted to say that I think that is like, it's so awesome to hear you say that and just to see you like genuinely mean it as well. Not just, not just say it because that's Mm -hmm. what you think other people would want to hear. It's, you can Mm -hmm. actually see that and hear it in your voice, especially. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm excited to see other people's journeys unfold, my journey unfold. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's hard out there. Like no one is denying the fact that like living in itself is hard these days. No one asked to be here and now we're here. And it's like, I only want to live a life where it is exciting. And at the end of the day, you know, money isn't everything. Money is not everything. I mean, like success comes in all different shapes and forms, but One thing that I always strive is to try and be the best version of myself, treat others the way that I would want to be treated and to like live an an exciting life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really happy that I got on this call today and didn't push back another week (laughs) because fear can be crippling, but this has been really great. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. Um, A couple little things before we do wrap up though. Do you, sure. uh, what would be kind of like your, your biggest tip of advice for somebody that may be struggling? 
I think it's just find something that brings you joy and whatever that may be. It can be as small as eating a cookie. I love cookies as much <laughs> as the next person does. Um, and it can be as, you know, ambitious as do the thing that you've always wanted to do. Um, and I hope in the process, obviously, like treat yourself kindly. And um, I, I really do hope that, you know, please consider like if, you know, seeking professional help is a great option and it can be terrifying, but it is also like very important to do, but know that there, are, if, if that is a big step and that terrifies, you know, that there are also other things that you can do. Um, and I hope that people do them safely that um, can help them baby step their way towards becoming the best version of themselves. 100%. Yeah, I love that. Um, and do you have, do you by chance have a saying or a quote or something that uh, mm -hmm. resonates with you quite a bit? I do. I do. I really do. Um, my favorite quote is if you love life, don't waste time for time is what life is made of. And Bruce Lee said that. And I really believe it because I think time is something that is so valuable and the time that I've spent with you today, I can never give back to you. And the time that I think, I think time in itself is probably the most precious gift just because you can't give it back. Um, and we're only on this earth for however many years that we should really treasure the time we spend with people and the time we spend with ourselves. So I love that quote. I love that. <laughs> just all the, all the little things that right after it too is perfect. And I, even just, I'm going to say a couple little, little things, but go for it. Just to go off of that, um, even when we spoke, when we spoke a couple weeks back, um, you even, you said that. You said, I, like, I hate to be late. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that say that, but they also just, they say that, they're like, oh, I'm crazy about it. That's just me. But the way that you said it, and you just touched on it there as well, but you just talked about how valuable time is. And so for you to be late is technically wasting time or wasting somebody else's time. That's time you can never give back to them. So if you're keeping somebody waiting, you're essentially taking up like such, it might be a critical piece of time it, in yeah. their life. Like you never It know. might change their life. Like that minute that if I'm holding you back 10 minutes, like I, I think it also paranoys me because I'm, an actor and like acting it's like you show up time time is everything right you don't show up on time that could be your career yeah. um and like being Japanese like it's so rude to make people wait like you're always concerned about like everyone else so like both of those things have like um really worked its way into my brain and body um and so like I like if I am late I try and let people know before I get there so they know and like I I think like you said, like time is such a valuable gift and I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste other people's time, but also like my time is valuable too. I don't want to waste my own time. 100%. So, yeah. I, just, I, think, I think time, time, we, we especially, I think we really, there's a lot of people that begin to appreciate it even more once they see somebody else's loss or see a mm -hmm. loss within their family, something like that. Cause then you start to almost cherish it more. And especially mm -hmm. if it's an abrupt loss, you look at it and you instantly, sometimes it 
begins a midlife crisis with some people <laughs> it leads to some pretty crazy things but um no time is seriously like i even said this recently but um the only thing you actually know in life is that you are going to die you don't know when you don't know how you don't know what you're going to do in your life and you don't know how long it's going to last so this time that you have right now and this time that you're enjoying like make sure that you are enjoying it make sure that this mm -hmm. is something that you genuinely want to be doing because if you're not then you said you are wasting time and that time is valuable and you could be doing something that you love to do but you're just wasting your time and waiting for <laughs> waiting for something else to happen in the future when like you don't necessarily know if that will happen in the future mm -hmm. you know there is a future to be had so yeah it's your life live it live it live it live it exactly i love it and i've loved having you on today it's been it's been amazing Thank you. i think like you just everything that you said resident like seriously hit home for me and i know it will for a lot of other people and just honestly the way that you talk is very very sophisticated and it's but it's, really yeah, <laughs> but it like it draws it's it's not like one of those ones where it's like, oh my gosh, this person's way too sophisticated for me to be listening. It's one that's it's a very sophisticated, but it like draws you in in a very unique way, which is just pretty cool. So that's funny. very kind of you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I often feel like I go on like word vomit tangents. So uh, <laughs> that's really nice of you to say. Yeah. I'm going to write that in my today's this this podcast is one of the things I'm going to write down in my gratitude three-day thing <laughs> made it that's awesome mm -hmm. oh i love that no seriously like it's been amazing and one day i hope that we can actually meet in person who knows completely what be, but i think we'll try and make it happen one of these one of these days or years or whenever <laughs> whenever we'll get there we'll get there yeah, it'll it'll happen for sure thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle create strength I hope everyone enjoyed UU's story and I highly encourage you to reach out to her and have some form of conversation with her. Now, if you want to reach out to me or potentially come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. You can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Also, thank you so much to everyone who does continue to share all of the podcasts and posts on your social media while tagging Struggle Create Strength. And also to a huge, huge thank you to those who leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It may not seem like much, but what you do is boosting the podcast up in the algorithm, which then leads to reaching more people, which then leads to helping more people. And that's what we're all about. That's what this is all about. So thank you so much to everyone who does that. Now, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and I can't thank you enough for listening. And just remember that everyone has a story.